Welcome to the Sleep by Shay podcast. I'm Shay Morrison, sleep expert and co-founder of The Goodnight Co. Join me each week for hints and tips on all things sleep and follow me on Instagram at Shay Morrison. I want to warmly welcome Thea O'Connor today, who is joining us, talking about a really important topic when it comes to what's happening in the world right now, particularly for females, and this impacts men as well because we're talking about the workplace. Thea is a workplace wellbeing advisor and she specializes in menopause at work. And I'm really excited because I have a lot of questions. Welcome to the show. And the first question I love to ask is, how did you sleep last night? Great to chat with you this morning. I would rate my sleep probably a 7 out of 10. So it was pretty good. But I was aware of my partner getting up probably around 3 or 4 o'clock. And you know how that can just be a little bit unsettling and I could feel him come back. And then I was wondering, oh, when's my alarm going to go off at 6 o'clock? And so it was pretty good. But it wasn't, you know an amazing boomer you know how sometimes you just go to bed and you go oh that was so good wasn't quite up to that but it was good enough unfortunately we're not going to get consistently excellent amazing sleep but I think that if we could be aiming for what you're getting and getting seven out of ten then it's a pretty good benchmark to rely on yes uh, one thing I'm really grateful for is I have now kind of come out of the menopause transition and a lot of women have really terrible insomnia and I'm just really glad that I seem to have escaped that so far touch wood because I'm a little bit not very resilient when it comes to getting a good night's sleep. I'm glad I've avoided that one. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we're here today really to talk about menopause. And I think that it is um, such a tricky time for so many women, but also men, because a lot of, um, you know, the men in our life are also, you know, supporting women through this because they don't understand what's going on. It can be really tricky. And then this trickles through also into what we're talking about today into the workplace. So many women that we speak to, one of their key issues, apart from hot flushes, which seems to really knock people around, is the insomnia and dealing with not being able to sleep. So it sounds like you've been able to avoid that somewhat. I experienced a very mild waking up in the wee hours of the morning, which I would never normally do. But thankfully, I would be able to go back to sleep. So there was definitely some kind of shift. And I think, you know, it's a whole new life stage and it's a huge physiological change. So probably if we go in expecting something's going to change here, that's probably, you know, a healthy attitude to have. So, yes, I could definitely feel some shifts, but not to the extent that I know some women experience. So I didn't feel like it would leave me the next day feeling exhausted, which, as I said, I'm very grateful for. But I'm so aware of how many women do experience that and then they have to front up for a full day's work and that's incredibly challenging when it's happening over a long period of time. Yeah in your conversations with um, so many people and talking about menopause what do you feel are the key topics of conversation when it comes to menopause and the issues that they're facing in the workplace? I was really interested to discover that my myself when I first started experiencing menopause and then I realized I hadn't heard not a single woman ever talk to me number one about menopause but specifically not in relation to work and our careers and I was really baffled by this and this was only four years ago so then I conducted a series of interviews with Australian working women around Australia and I was really struck by 
some really consistent themes when I ask them about what's your experience in the workplace like. Of course, symptoms are really diverse. And just some of the standout themes were a sense that they had to go through this alone. So they felt incredibly isolated. In fact, isolating and embarrassing were the two most common words used to describe going through menopause at work. And the standout themes were all around silence, having to deal not only with the symptoms, but the silence that no one around here is talking about this. And then that led them to feel that they had to try and hide what was happening. And you can imagine the added stress that that brings on top of everything else. So there's a sense of silence and fear of being um, stigmatised and this secrecy. We just try and look like it's performance as usual. So there have been some of the really stand-up things. Also a sense of being really blindsided. You know, it's like no one told me about this particularly the psychological symptoms, which we hear less about, like the brain fog and impact on short-term memory. So women can feel really destabilised and can really start to question their ability to, you know, keep keep up in the role that they're, they're currently in. So it can undermine their professional confidence. I remember one woman saying it was like a cancer. She said, just eats away at you, this, you know, lack of confidence. And, of course, you can imagine how that can then become a negative downward spiral. So, yeah, the lack of confidence and the silence were some pretty big themes. For those who are affected by symptoms, of course, not all women are. So it's good to remember that little piece of the story as well. And I know some of the research has got great stories about what this life stage gives, you know, working women, particularly that ability to speak up and to stop being a people pleaser so much and how incredibly liberating that can be, but also get much better at you know, saying no and realising that's a complete sentence that they don't have to justify, setting boundaries, stop compensating for other people, whether that's picking up the bathroom towels, you know, at home or covering for other people's work. So there can be a real assertion that can come through. Who knows how much of that is age versus the nice hormones uh, diminishing, but these are real strengths that add to women's workplace capabilities and it's really important to remember that side of the story as well and sometimes they only emerge after the more tumultuous years of perimenopause and that's why it's just really great to hear from older women who've been through that and they'll say yes and there's some really wonderful gifts that this transition brings as well so hang in there don't throw in the towel yet well there's so much in what you've just said but going back and looking at as you said for the last four years so this topic of conversation really is still quite new in terms of being spoken about and bringing it to the forefront. You know, we were talking earlier before we started recording and talking about sleep as a topic hasn't been a huge conversation of topic really probably for the last, I'm going to say six or seven years. So it it hasn't been that long. Also remembering that there are two sides to what we're talking about and it's really important that we are sharing information for women so that they can feel as though they're supported, but also sharing the good stories around what this transition looks like and what coming through the other side can also result in, which, as you're saying, is, you know, there's a lot of upside for women if they can really manage this process. Yeah, absolutely. Reframing menopause is a huge part of my job because I think we tend to just get lost in the symptoms. And sure, in the workplace, it is the symptoms that you might have to deal with. But that takes us away from that bigger picture perspective. 
that this is a really important life transition. Yes, it might be a little bit bumpy, like puberty can be bumpy, but it's taking us somewhere really important. But equally, we're not going to get the gifts of menopause if we try and hide it and pretend it's not there and just shovel the symptoms and the experience down. I always try to give people that bigger picture view. This is reverse puberty. It's taking us somewhere good. Let's not apply any kind of shame on women going through it. We don't do that for teenagers. We just accept, you know, they can get a bit horrible at times. Yeah. You know, we, and we know that, that will, will we need to have that same kind of attitude and really see that this is taking women into a life stage where they can be more in their authority than ever before. And what a wonderful resource for humanity that is. So let's get behind them. Let's offer the support and education that's needed because we're all going to benefit from having more older, wiser women available to support others. Obviously, the organisations that are consulting with you and getting you on board are open to the conversation so that they're probably more willing and accepting to hear from you. But do you feel like there is a shift happening within Australia and within corporates around having this open conversation and being supportive for these women, for us? Yes, absolutely. Something has changed in the last six to 12 months because when I first started, even only three and a half years ago, people really didn't want to talk to me and they'd go a bit pale and their eyes would roll back in their head, you know, when I'd say the word. And there's definitely been a shift. If I gauge it by, say, how many incoming calls I now get compared to all the outgoing calls I used to have to make. And these days I have people on the phone telling me what the business case is for why they need to be doing it. So I think there definitely has been a shift. I can't say, you know, that it's by any means across all organisations, but that's also been accompanied by a lot more awareness in the media. We recently had a roundtable in Parliament House in Canberra with a politician, you know, saying, look, Women need a lot more, much better treatment. Now it's starting to be raised in a whole range of different sectors. But sometimes the HR or DNI person can feel quite overwhelmed by the number of social issues they're meant to be tackling. Um, but I do emphasise that this isn't something that just affects a small number of people. Every single female, half of humanity on the planet, will go through menopause. A good 80% of those will experience symptoms and many of those will say those symptoms make work more challenging. So it is an employment issue for a majority, not for a minority. And just on that basis, you know, it can't afford to be left off um, their lists. And also with much more emphasis on getting more women into leadership roles and gender equity, it's absolutely, you know, part of that whole agenda as well, which many workplaces espouse to be committed to. So I do kind of link it to those um, priorities that workplaces might already have made a commitment to. So the roundtable discussion that was in Parliament a couple of weeks ago, were you involved in that conversation? I personally wasn't there, but there were a whole number of medical doctors and the issue of... Would that be the first conversation that's been had at this level of Parliament in Australia? Uh, Yeah, to my awareness, absolutely, yes. it's, It's quite groundbreaking. And, yeah. and great. I mean, the main focus is on getting women better treatment, uh, particularly in regional areas. So that's all really good because yeah. what's happening at the moment is that workplaces are suffering because of the big gap in the health system and the neglect and the lack of research and uh, lack of education of GPs. So many women are floundering and not able to get good help and workplaces are kind of having to help, you know, fill part of that gap. Mm-hmm. So even though the round 
mainly focused on good treatment, as far as I understand, that will still have a positive flow on for workplaces. Absolutely. And and I think there was a, there's a stat, 10% of women looking to leave the workforce due to menopause, being in menopause and menopause symptoms. So, you know, this number is obviously going to really impact our workforce. Yeah, absolutely. And so about 10% do quit because of the symptoms, but I'll also push back a bit and say, it's not just the symptoms, it's the silence. Like imagine if those women were yeah, able to talk yeah. about help and maybe have a return to work plan if they've got severe symptoms. I reckon that stat would improve. But then you've also got in the range of 25 to 45% of women, you know, the, the, the surveys vary, saying that they're thinking of quitting. Yeah. Or maybe they go part-time or they take a sidestep or a lower um, a lower level responsibility job. So their engagement of those women, you know, it's probably not going to be very high either. So that's not good for businesses either. And particularly because, you know, if you think about the age being, well, let's say 40 plus, 45 plus year old women who are really just coming into to their own with this huge amount of knowledge and experience, feeling really secure within themselves to be able to start imparting such amazing knowledge and coming from a place of a feminine, not a masculine energy space, I think sometimes as well is so important. Yet this is what we're going to feel losing out on if we can't support these women to grow into more senior roles as well. Yes, so menopause is a female leadership issue just by the sheer timing of everything, as you've just described, you know, menopause occurs usually at about the same time as a woman is more likely to be stepping up into those senior leadership roles. And if no support is given, the workplace might lose some of their most experienced people. They might walk out the door, and I know cases of this, simply because they couldn't have the conversation. Women have not seen all around them how to advocate for themselves when they get to this life stage. That's one thing. They haven't seen it modelled. Secondly, they haven't been educated, so they often don't understand that this brain fog that they're experiencing is probably a temporary symptom of menopause. Yes. So, of course, that's going to lead you um, to, to freak out. A better way of looking at it is like, yes, menopause might present a bump in the road when it comes to career, but it does not have to be the end of the road if we're educated and forewarned and have some simple supports in place. Absolutely. And I know even for myself, I'm 44, absolutely in perimenopause. You know, I've really done a lot of research in this space because I want to be fully equipped and I want to be able to breeze through it rather than struggle through it. So there is also a lot of self-responsibility that comes with, you know, arming yourself. The information is there, but it is hard to get. It's not, it's not on a platter yet. I work with a health coach who is fully focused on this stage and you know there's been a huge amount of adjustments to make to lifestyle but I can see huge upside from it as well so often one of the things that I share knowledge about when it comes to sleep that I feel very passionate about is it's a self-responsibility to understand you and your own body the more that people can take that on board and understand you know we're all genetically made up differently so there's no two Shea Morrisons or Thea O'Connors around the world and understanding what that means and looks like for ourselves, and then making adjustments from there I also feel is really important and then being supported by community workplace 
support groups is also amazing. I love that you've raised that, Shay, because sometimes I actually feel for workplaces in terms of all the things that they're meant to be doing. It's a joint responsibility and menopause calls us to be more responsible for our bodies than ever before and it won't let us get away with stuff anymore. It's kind of like a new standard and it's like, no, I'm not tolerating that kind of behaviour. And the thing is that many women enter menopause Firstly, never having truly prioritised their well-being, you know, because of our conditioning and all that kind of reason, but still haven't really ever made it um, number one. They enter menopause having pushed, 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 pushed their body in overdrive to get where they think they need to be and haven't learned how to really respect our natural rhythms, whether that's the menstrual cycle and now it's the bigger cycle of menopause. So I, I think it's no accident that fatigue is actually one of the so-called symptoms of menopause, although I think it's also a backlog of how we've treated our bodies. Yeah, catching up. Yeah, symptoms that women in the workplace can struggle with. And so we just have to, I think, be really honest, respect that our body is talking to us, don't have any shame or judgment about that, but get on board with not only looking at how can I take care of myself physically, but what are these symptoms telling me psychologically? You know, if, for example outbursts of rage which can really happen have I been putting up with stuff for way too long and now it's just like I'm not going to it and I actually need to learn how to express myself more cleanly but is there a backlog there or if I'm emotional and crying a lot which can also happen I've got some really unaddressed hurts and interestingly counsellors will say this is a life stage where women often represent with unaddressed um, past trauma um, so it's an incredibly rich life stage if we're just willing to work with our symptoms rather than feel a complete victim of them. And I think that's the call to self-responsibility that you were alluding to, yeah. Absolutely, and working out a way that you can glide through it, really. There, I mean, you know, there's always going to be bumps in the road for any new challenge that you're, you're embarking on. And I say challenge, I don't, that's probably not the right word for this, but for some people it is a challenge and navigating it and being fully equipped yourself rather than just relying on somebody to feed you the information, I think is, is one of the first steps when it comes to anything that's health related. Yeah. And I guess I'd also compliment with that being willing to accept it for what your menopause is going to be. You might want to glide through it, but you might not get that. It's almost like, you know, when you want the ideal birth and then you end up having a cesarean. <laughs> accept what happens and you just have to go for the ride because we do know that some women will be more prone to a harder menopause. If you've had really bad problems with premenstrual syndrome, postnatal depression, or if you've had early childhood trauma, they're all associated with more severe menopause symptoms. So, yes, absolutely do what you can to, you know, make it a less bumpy ride. But if it is a bumpy ride, you've just got to, accept it for what it is, go for the ride. It takes as long as it takes. Your body's not dumb. It's doing whatever it has to do to eventually restore some kind of balance. Yes, definitely. I'd love to know when it comes to workplaces and and the conversation that's happening within uh, these workplaces, what are some of the some of the great things that you're seeing where businesses are innovating to really support women during this process? Yeah, so some of the best things I've seen have been organisations that have taken an organisational approach for not just educating women but also Mm. addressing the workplace 
environment. So with Queensland Teachers Union, for example, with their own staff, they realise, oh, my goodness, we've got such a feminised workforce and membership. Yeah. You know, a lot of teachers of that age, we need to get on board with this. We brief the executive on what the actual business case is for that. We trained all the managers. And manager training is at the heart of becoming a menopause-friendly workplace because women aren't going to speak up about it if they think their manager is going to get embarrassed or feel uncomfortable or, you know, shut down. Uh, We had workshops for women. We had workshops for all staff so that everyone understood why this is a workplace issue. Lots of um, information and uh, fact sheets and they also developed a policy which just made it very clear how people going through menopause um, can be supported. And then they also sponsored a few people who to undergo a more in-depth program, which is a bit more of a personal journey for those women, but they do emerge as people who can be a great resource for the organisation afterwards. And then lastly, just looked at were there any changes to the physical environment that might help. Air conditioning is always a, a contentious issue, I think, in all menopausal women or not. Simple things just like having products in the bathrooms or the ability to have a shower if you need to a quiet space where you can go to recompose or even have a little bit of a nap, which is awesome because during menopause you feel pretty exhausted. So they also looked at some of the aspects of the physical work environment. Um, And then just lastly, embedded menopause into some of the existing policies. So they had a flexible work policy. So now menopause is there as a reason to request it. And we also identified that fatigue was the number one issue that's what the general research shows for this organisation, that the fatigue management policies can often need to be reviewed. Physiological causes through things like menopause often aren't acknowledged in fatigue uh, policies, that multi-layered approach. That all sounds fantastic. And I think that, you know, it's been a, a while since I've worked in a, in a large corporate organisation, but those policies I think are amazing and well done. Queensland Teachers Union. Yes, and they were one of the first organisations, first to do anything, and then they agreed to do it properly, which was awesome, and, and they allowed me to evaluate it. So often these good, this good work gets done, but you don't get to evaluate it. So by the end of it, just about everyone, women, was saying, I now feel I can talk about menopause as I would any other health issue. Fantastic, job done, that's what we're aiming for. And then secondly, half of the women who were at the time going through menopause said so the project had definitely increased their confidence and ability to work as long as they choose. So that has a huge potential to impact their financial well-being well into their third act as well. I felt really gratified by those results and it just did demonstrate when you take a, a thorough approach, you can actually have a really significant impact. Yeah, that's amazing. Well done. I mean, I know that you work with lots of organisations, but it would be great to see um, such a big shift happening because I think I was reading recently, and I'm sure that you're uh, much more across this, that the UK, so the UK are, are far more advanced than us in, in menopause policy. There's a menopause leave policy now available, is that right? Yeah, and a number of um, countries have. Oh, I'm just trying to think of the latest update for the UK because I know they rejected having menopause be seen as a protected characteristic, which would mean that it could then legally be something that a workplace would have to provide accommodations for. That actually got rejected. Um, But I know other countries have started to introduce policies around menopause leave. My only concern there is often when they'll talk about policies, all that they're talking about is leave, extra leave, whereas really the bulk of the work needs to be 
normalize the conversation, break the silence, challenge the stigma, equip people to have the conversations and make the simple adjustments readily available, then you may not have quite so many women feeling that they need to take take leave. So I think, yes, you'll include leave if you want to, but not at the expense of neglecting, preparing the ground and doing all of that other work. Mm, That's a really good point. Doing the education part and feeling supported as well. Yes. I love that success story of Queensland um, Teachers Union. Are there other success stories that you've seen, either at individual level or group level, that you think other people could role model? And Because I, I guess I'd love for this conversation, for people listening, to be able to feel like they can go and have a conversation potentially with their workplace and, you know, say that this is something that they, if it's not already within their, their organisation, that they should be pushing to happen. Yeah, so I guess on that, if someone does want to raise it in their own workplace, it's quite good to just give a little thought about, well, what would be, and if I'm talking to a leader or a manager, from their perspective, what might be the business case? So you might like to come up with the stats of this is how many females have got in this organisation of this particular age. You might like to point to, well, we've got a commitment to anti-discrimination. This is potential, menopause discrimination is potentially a thing. It could be gender equity, whatever the case, so that then you can go perhaps both with a personal account but also um, a, a good business story and include the costs of not becoming menopause friendly, which is that reduction in engagement or perhaps really losing really talented staff. Um, if people actually go to my website, menopauseatworkasiapacific.com, about two-thirds of the way down, I've actually got some free resources and one of them is how to speak to your boss about, say, the demographic argument. You know, we've got a heap of women. The legal argument, you actually have a responsibility to create a safe and healthy workplace environment free of discrimination. What they also need to know is that the number of workplace tribunals in the UK have been related to menopause have been significantly increasing, like doubling each year just about over the last few years. And often when you drill down into those cases, what was the cause? It's often the manager just wasn't educated and they did dumb things. And it's only a matter of time. If workplaces don't start behaving differently, it's only a matter of time before we start to see that in Australia. So there's a legal argument. There's also the productivity argument. Without supports, yeah, women's performance probably will slip, but if we offer supports, they can work much better. And then the social responsibility argument that it's just a humane thing to do to allow women to work with dignity. Um, So, you know, there's a bit of material there which you could use to help shape the conversation. Um, so that it doesn't necessarily just have to be about you because if it's you personally who are experiencing a lot of symptoms, you can feel quite vulnerable, but also you've got a stronger case if you, if you place it um, in a bigger context. That's amazing, yeah, and I think that those resources sound fantastic. We'll include um, your website details as we share this podcast as well because I think that there is, I've been through your website and there are a lot of wonderful guides there that people can refer to and information. And Thea, lastly, is there anything else that you wanted to share when it comes to menopause at work? Maybe just, you know, rather than see menopause in such a scary or negative light, that both workplaces and individuals can just see it as one big opportunity. For women, it's an opportunity to prioritise our wellbeing like never before and to step into our authority like never before and really claim that, particularly as we come out of the menopause transition. And for workplaces, it's just one big opportunity to put their money where their mouths are with regards to any of their stated commitments to things like gender equity or getting more women in in leadership roles. 
it really is one big opportunity. Face it head on, embrace what, what this lifestyle has to offer individuals, organisations and our culture at large. It would be fascinating to touch back with you, you know, in 12 months' time to see what's shifted in that period because I feel that there's, there's a lot changing um, really quickly as well. So, um, you know, I look forward to, to watching that and, yeah. and also thanking you for doing such an amazing job and being at the forefront of such an important topic and sharing your knowledge and guiding people through this really important time. Thank you for helping to shine a bit of a light on it. You can visit Thea's website. Yeah, menopause at work, Asia Pacific, or one. Thanks for joining us today. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Sleep by Shea podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, head on over to the show notes for all the details and sleep advice you need. If you like what you're hearing or are sleeping better, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and listen along with the Sleep by Shea podcast to wake up looking and feeling your very best every day.